There's nothing a cup of tea can't help with. Yeah, absolutely. Everything works magic with the cup of tea, man. I've got my morning tea, my tea break, the rainy season tea that just hits different. If you think we're smart, yep, bang on. If you think we're crazy, hey, you're right on that as well. So here we are, your hosts, always in front of, talking about everything under the sun on our podcast, Ekdam Karak. Uh, there's a lot uh, that has happened since we last uh, recorded. The Premier League's back. The F1 is in full flow. The US Open just uh, ended yesterday. And uh, the IPL is about to start on the 19th. So, you know what? Let's let's start with the F1 because I think that was one hell of a race. Uh, the the yeah. Tuscany uh, Grand Prix. I mean... Two red flags. When was the last time we saw something like this? Oh my God, two red flags. I mean, the last time we saw a red flag was in Monza, in this year itself. And Italy has just provided us amazing races. So there's a lot of sports to talk about. Like you said, Premier League, of course, it's back. Um, The US Open as well, which concluded yesterday. Man, but the F1 has been providing so many promising races. Gasly picking up the win in Monza. That was amazing. And even yesterday, I was hoping for a Daniel Ricciardo podium. But I'm just so happy Albon got a podium spot, man. It's like he deserved it. Finally. 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 He has a podium finish. And he didn't come in contact with Lewis. So, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember ranting about uh, Albon's... um, Crash with Lewis Hamilton earlier. Yeah, how can I forget that? In the that? Stadium Grand Prix. Yeah, I was yep. absolutely fuming. I was like, but Lewis Hamilton is a sore loser. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we have it. Uh, we have Alex Albon on his first ever podium in the uh, Italian Grand Prix yesterday. Uh, you know, yeah, Daniel I mean, Ricciardo. Look at it. We, have, um, we have Leclerc, who's got a podium. Norris. Uh, Gasly. So Albon got a podium as well. So we just need Russell to get a podium and we'll have all the streamers with a podium. (laughs) But it's highly unlikely for Russell, man. Um, He's not finishing on a podium with the Williams. Uh, I think at some point of time, um, yesterday he was was as high as P8. He was uh, ahead of Vettel. Yeah, P8. He was P8 at one point of time. But I think he finished P11 or P12. I mean, he yeah, just he lost that on the restart. Exactly. He lost that uh, on the restart, unfortunately. They were much... Uh, they showed more race pace than the Ferrari, uh, than Sebastian's Ferrari, for sure. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I was very surprised uh, to see uh, Charles Leclerc underperform uh, in these, after the second restart. I think really? uh, he was overtaken. He was overtaken four places in four laps. First, yeah, I think was, Kimi got past him and even Grosjean. Yeah, I think that was that was Vettel. Uh, Leclerc no, was. No, no, no. It was. Um, I know because uh, it was heading into turn two and three. Is where yeah. Kimi, jumped, Kimi got past him, uh, even Grosjean. But 
Leclerc had to get past um when it came to positions Norris Ricardo or uh, Albon and even Perez they all uh, you know they all, they all overtook uh Leclerc I think even Kvyat did Ferrari are just down the pecking order man I mean anyone yeah, can it's just expected right now by the we complain so much about the Ferrari and when the race comes back we just know oh yeah this is their fate you know it's been that But way this it's, season it's it's been that kind of a season for ferrari of course yeah um let's talk about the massive incident the crash when oh, yeah. bottas he was weaving around holding the pack behind just waiting for the right moment to launch mm-hmm. half the bunch of the people at the back they saw the green lights they said okay the guys at the front must have gone and it went flat out when it wasn't the case though yeah by the time someone realized it i think latifi tried to move across uh, avoid the slow car in front of him and it was too late yeah um i think it's it's not but um it's not valtteri's fault uh yeah, no it's not he was, of course it's not he he was uh, just trying to use this whole thing to his advantage because he knew he had the streamlined speed so he would accelerate and that would keep him ahead of uh hamilton but uh there was it was not meant to be for the back uh back of the pack i think it was uh, who was the one who actually started speeding was it someone from the alfa romeo or was it someone from the haas team it was either of them Judging by the footage of from Carlos Sainz it, they hit Magnussen. Magnussen. Sainz hit Magnussen. Yeah, that's correct. Sainz uh Sainz was like a part of the collateral damage that happened. And I think yeah. he came off worse because um you could see Sainz holding his wrist while he was walking back to the paddock. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think he was lucky uh not to have injured himself. Uh also Latifi was out in the it wasn't he was involved in the accident as well oh, he, he was he was a bunch of them were involved in fact latifi's car it was up in the air he was it was about to be toppled i mean that's how i think it was latifi thank god who, for the halos thank god for the halos um since 2019 i've seen two such incidents where yeah. the car has toppled over and because of the halos i mean i remember you know hulkenberg last year groshan avoided the crash like wow <laughs> who out of all of all the people and if you like hear his onboard uh radio he was like they're trying to kill us or something with the restart says who is the first time he probably was in his senses not a crash into yeah. a pack of so it was just magnus actually going slow Mm-hmm. and latifi tries to get past him or maybe just realizes okay he's going too slow and giovanazzi then he realizes that late as well can't mm-hmm. stop hits latifi hits magnus and takes them out then it's just a constantine effect as they say uh, i mean 13 cars racing at the secondary start it was um, yeah. much like the stadium grand prix i think we finished only with 11 uh, yeah we finished just with 11 uh, cars i mean i was like okay yeah. wow wait didn't we do it 12 grosjean was at the back Stadion? of the pack right stadium grand prix oh stadium no 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 not the stadium i thought you were talking about this race no i was talking about the stadium that one finished with uh, 11 cars mm-hmm. 
we don't see anyone stopping Lewis Hamilton anymore. Do you, do you yeah, think? No. I mean, Valtteri Bottas has just been a... Uh, he's the been, start of the race was brilliant for Bottas. The way he positioned the car mm-hmm. uh, was amazing. So he got the jump on Lewis. Lewis had a bad start. Yeah. Uh, Verstappen would have easily jumped Lewis, but then he had the issue on his car. Yeah. And from then on, Bottas was, he looked good, but then came the safety car, of course. And in the second restart, Lewis, smart, smart thing he did was he positioned himself behind Bottas to get the, to get the stream. And then it was just Hamilton all the way. I honestly believe that uh, this could be the time when Bottas makes a statement. For himself, he was on, great from the beginning. On that note, I just want to say something, mm-hmm. and I do. I want it to be on record. I'm happy with that okay. being on record. By the way, I want to put what a certain it? person on fraud alert. <laughs> this is a fraud watch that we're going to start here for each of the podcasts. I mean, each of the topics that we're going to do today, I'll pick a fraud okay. alert. Sure. Okay. Sure, sure. So today, my fraud of the day, especially from Formula One, will be Valtteri Bottas. (laughs) I cannot believe that in the same car, you underperform at that sort of stage. Okay, everyone's going to tell me, oh, he was tens, hundreds a second away during the qualifying. Where's your race pace? What are you doing in in the race? I I think um, it's something that... I believe is correct. Uh, Valtteri Bottas has just not lived lived up to his expect expectations. You're not competing with Lewis Hamilton. I I think he's he's as competitive, uh, incompetitive as it gets. Uh, he yeah. there's nothing. I mean, Lewis Hamilton just takes his seat for granted. I mean, he's happy to have Valtteri Bottas as his wingman. There are no complaints. Exactly. Even Mercedes are fine with it. Yeah, Mercedes are happy. I think with that. Uh, they're happy with it. Uh, but you know, um, at some it was after the second restart. Uh, Valtteri Bottas asked for a strategy that has to be completely different, com- the complete opposite of what yeah, the opposite uh, of Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton was getting. Yeah, it shows that he intended to compete, but. I think it was far too late. He was already six seconds behind Hamilton, and he then you're asking that. Six seconds behind. Plus, I think there is a, I think there's something to do with trust now, which Bottas has to think about with Mercedes, because Bottas came into the pits, got the hard tires. He said he wanted opposite of Lewis. What does Mercedes do? Put Lewis on the hard as well. Yeah. And then the set, and then the, he comes into the pits again. Bottas gets the medium on. What does Lewis get? A medium as well. So any sort of advantage that Bottas could have got, that was was denied. Not- I mean, I, I when I saw that happen, uh, when it was clearly stated by Bottas that he wants the opposite of whatever he's getting, it's a complete lack of trust in uh, Mercedes yeah. from Mercedes' side. And I, I think he would have gone back to the paddock as a very disappointed man in his team. And oh, that's so fair. For sure. If I would be, uh, if I'd be in his place, yeah, I'd be disappointed. Yeah, I think he lacks that aggressiveness to make a statement to Mercedes uh, mm. in the way that they can actually take him seriously. 
you put across someone like Max Verstappen um, mm. in the uh, in the seat that Valtteri Bottas has, and I'm pretty sure that he will create he will create a statement for himself uh, if sure. he was being treated this way. I mean, sure. he's not the Valtteri Bottas just takes shit on himself. I have to say this. It's not the first time we're seeing this. It's it's almost every race this year, except the first one where he did win. And then there were a majority of us saying, finally, Bottas. Finally. You're redeeming yourself. I think uh, that sums up the Italian Grand Prix this week. But it's not the only sport that's been where we have been keenly watching. The Premier League is back after just, mm-hmm. what, yes. 47 days? The quickest restart yeah. to a Premier League season. I'm glad it's back. I love the Premier I'm League. Glad. <laughs> I'm glad, but at the same time, I'm sick of it already. And why, why do I so? say that? It's because of my FPL squad, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, uh, it's, um, you know, if, if you've, if you're someone who plays FPL regularly and you're mm-hmm. really ambitious at F- FPL, why do I feel like at some point of time you would probably wage yourself against your own team just because you want the points? Oh, I've yeah, seen that happen to me. <laughs> yeah, by December, this will be half of us. Trust me. True. <laughs> this is going to be a lot of us. That, that's, that's right. FPL, I mean... Uh, it's crazy, but it's also one of the reasons why Premier League has such a huge fan following. I don't see any other leagues with their fantasy leagues as established and as successful as the Premier League. But yeah, for sure. Regardless of that, the Premier League is what it is. Uh, the first week was nothing short of drama. We had, I think, the standout game. The game that stood out from the rest of the games was Liverpool versus Leeds. Talk no, about the Kings, comeback Kings. I mean. Come back in the sense, Leeds have just come back to the Premier League after a 16-year stint in the lower divisions. Mm-hmm. Liverpool, probably, you know, Liverpool fans saying that we are pro- one of the greatest Premier League teams of all time. Whatever their opinions might be, mm-hmm. it was a match worth watching. 4-3, yeah, what did you think of it? Um, it was a match filled with defensive errors. It's like they say, you know, no awareness, you know, just go with the vibes, whatever is happening around you. It's, it seemed like that for the first 30 minutes, for sure. But I, but I have to tell you, Liverpool, they find a way to win. This is just them for the past two seasons now. And it's amazing to watch as well. Yeah, uh, I agree with there? the fact. Yeah, I'm there, I'm there. Okay, okay. Uh, I agree with that fact. Liverpool just find a way to win. Uh, it's what every champion elect has to have. You need to grind out those victories, those one zeros, or you know that that final goal in the last ten minutes. Yeah. And the goal scorer in chief for Liverpool has been Mohamed Salah. I think yeah. he he's had he's had exceptional seasons ever since he's come back uh, to England with Liverpool in his first season itself 32 league goals then 22 then 20 I think he finished with 19 last season not 22 Uh, but regardless of that I mean he's set the bar so high for him his own self that every year he has to chase down that record that he created himself but 
uh, Leeds, they, they did great. I mean, in the beginning, it looked like Leeds would be, you know, treated to welcome to the Premier League tagline. But yeah. they gave Liverpool a run for their money. Uh, they were great. Absolutely. Um, the la- yeah, the last goal they conceded. So foolish. They uh, shouldn't have that- given that penalty away. Just be disciplined, man. Villain. That's uh, that's their villain. Uh, they're the most expensive signing. Jorgigo yeah. was just coming from Valencia. Supposed yeah. to be the one giving leads that X factor was the one who conceded that penalty. It's from being yeah, the hero like a to the villain. Zero moment. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but you, you can't really complain. I mean, that's like their first game in the Premier League after such a long time. Cut them some slack. And they had a but, chance to get away with a draw or even a win. Who knows? Judging by how uh, they performed. So yeah, I think I, it's all the more fair to criticize them more. I mean, that's just the way I see it. Probably, yeah. I mean, Bamford 16 was... years later... You can you're a, you have a shot at defeating the current Premier League champions, mm-hmm. and you're going blow for yeah. blow with them. Like, yeah, I think during the match, I would I was, of um, I was criticizing Bamford for not taking his chances. I yes, I think he exactly. had two three golden chances, and mm-hmm. had he had he taken them, you know, Leeds could have probably even come Maybe out a with a win. Story, yeah, yeah. But he didn't. The reason why I'm not being so critical of them is because it's your first game after 16 years. I mean, it's very, it's the opposite of what you're thinking. I'm critical during the game. Post game, I think they're going to be pretty, they're going to be pretty good when they face off uh, other teams. I'm not just saying any other bottom half team. I'm talking about top 10 teams, Everton, Tottenham, Arsenal. United for that matter. It's just like a one-off or something. I just I I think uh, the Leeds boys are extremely fit and athletic. Mm. I think uh, anyone who knows about B, uh, Marcelo knows that yeah. he is uh, his training methods are very tiring. It focuses yeah, so he much demands, on at uh, most like what do you say? You need to have that level of fitness to make his squad. Yep. And I think the physicality uh, the, as well was amazing from Leeds. Absolutely, absolutely. I think uh, in the co- coming few game weeks, we're going we're going to see. I think uh, good performances from Leeds. I, uh, at least that's expecting after the first game week. But yeah. then there were there were so many other great games. I feel uh, Leicester and Arsenal, who both got. Uh, got away with a 3-0 victory away from home. Yeah. Did give some statement out to the rest of the top four uh, ambitions, the, the clubs that hold, hold top four ambitions. What do you think? Uh, who's going to make the top four this season, judging on the squad signings this summer, the clubs have had their yeah. game week um, one performance? If we just go with the signings that have been made, I would put Chelsea... Surely for the top two, just going by the uh-huh. signings, but that isn't the case, right? Yeah. Um, I would go with, uh, say, City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and uh, it's always a tough ask, but I would say United. Mm-hmm. Fair. 
Um, if if it's for I, me, I can't I think... say anything for sure about Arsenal mm-hmm. till December. You know how we have these chats always, you and me, like, oh, you know, we have to wait till December. Yeah. <laughs> they'll start the league, they'll probably be in the lead. And then by Which December, you never know. They're leading the table right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, Arsenal fans love the beginning of the season where, you know, we're top of the league, but because of the because of the initial A, yeah. I mean, Leicester won 3-0-2, but I think... Uh, the top four prediction this year has to be by far the most competitive. Um, compared I've, to I've other seasons? In a long, long, yeah, compared to other yeah. seasons in a long time. Because, um, you know, in the, in the last few seasons, you've had the big six clubs. You know the big six clubs. We have yeah. the City, Liverpool, United, Chelsea, Arsenal and Spurs. But this yeah. year, we're seeing, we're seeing promise from clubs like Everton. We're seeing mm-hmm. promise from clubs like Sheffield and Wolves, who did amazing last year. Yeah. Burnley have redeemed themselves as well. I think uh, since Burnley has returned to, uh, returned to top flight football, that was in 2015 to 16 season. Uh, mm-hmm. Just one season they've finished in the bottom half, if I'm not wrong. One or two seasons. Wow. They've finished as high as seventh. And I think... Yeah. Um, they're pretty much touted for another top 10 finish. Newcastle look pretty good as well with signings like uh, Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser. And they were pretty they good over there. They bargain win. as well. Very much, very much. They, they were pretty good oh, in their win against West Ham. Well, speaking yeah. of West Ham, I think, I think they're on a downward spiral since a long time. But I just feel like this year they'll be in that bottom half not in the bottom half in the bottom three what do I'm you think about West Ham like above relegation for sure like David Moyes when he took charge of West Ham there was a little bit of a promise they started winning some games I see uh, who who do you doubt to be relegated this season I mean it's a hard ask but still like yeah, let's go for it ask. I really don't know man Fulham probably Fulham, Fulham? Um, I mean, judging by the performance in the first game, you see Mitrovic, you say, okay, you know, he's your go-to man, find the balls to him. Like, he's physical as well, but Fulham did nothing of that sort. Mm-hmm. It's just, it was different seeing Premier, uh, Fulham use Mitrovic in the game against Arsenal. Yeah. He, I think he was hardly of any use. Oh. Well, uh, exactly. Gabriel and Rob Holding did brilliant to shun him out. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think the Premier League is going to be very unexpected this uh, this season. We have a lot of competitive mm-hmm. teams. Uh, mm-hmm. The summer signings have come in a frenzy for a few clubs like Chelsea. But mm-hmm. then again, um, you can't really rule out any of the teams making a top four. I And game week one is... Uh, too early to predict but then exactly. again uh, exactly. I think there's there's another thing when you know when you make another podcast at the end of the season you'll be like oh yes I said it these four teams are going to make it up <laughs> yeah I think I'm looking at West Brom as well for relegation mm-hmm. West Brom West as Brom, well yeah maybe between Southampton and uh, say West Ham like you said 
Mm-hmm. Like, I yeah, don't I think... think West Ham would happen, but let's see. Ah, okay. I mean, yeah. that's to round up our Premier League uh, news. No, I mean, how can we forget? How can we forget what? Jose Mourinho? Oh, okay, yes. Prem, yes. Uh, Ever- Spurs versus Everton. What a game it was. It was unexpected. Jose Mourinho being flashy with his mouth again. <laughs> Mourinho, man. I c- you can, every time the cameras turn towards him, you could see the frustration. <laughs> You could see the frustration in the man. And even after uh, the game, in his post-match, um, con- uh, post-match interview, he was happy there are no more Amazon cameras. Oh, yes. And that's when you know he's really going to rip out on the team. Absolutely. I, it was just a dismal performance. Like... And the fact that I have three players from Tottenham in my FPL, it <laughs> angers me even more. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, Gee. Harry Kane, Human Son, and Hugo Lloris. Oh my lord! Oh wow! Oh wow! I mean, yeah, Kane was supposed to bag goals. I mean, come on! I don't think Kane's bagging twenty-five goals this season. He's England's number one. He better. Ah uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I think he he's got a lot of he's got a lot of. Um, responsibility on his shoulders now because uh, looking uh, looking at the uh, England squad he has to consider himself as one of the uh, anchors for the team he has yeah. to mo- get, get the team going it's no more there are so many more ex- experienced players on the roster apart from Harry Kane when it comes to the English, English squad or the Spurs squad there's a lot lying on him mm. it is an early injury at Spurs then God help them because they don't have a lot of attacking options at all. Yeah, I don't. I don't see them. They didn't make quite. A, uh, they didn't make a lot of signings this window transfer window. Hoiberg, Doherty. They're defenders. Uh, I think they've yeah, yeah. done good. They've done well to get Hoiberg and Doherty, and they're two quality defenders. Uh, I rate them highly. But then Doherty again, Doherty was a good signing for me. Yeah. Yeah, Doherty is a good signing. But then again, if you're not scoring goals, which I think has been an issue at Spurs since last season when Harry Kane got yeah. injured, they've been excessively dependent on Son. And to me, it was basically the start of the season. You know, the whole bad run they had with Pochettino. They had, they had no outlets for goals even then. And it just continued with the injuries under Mourinho as well. Yeah, I think... That's fair. That's fair. On, I mean, that's one of the reasons why uh, Pochettino was sacked despite a Champions League final the year before that. But then yeah. Spurs, I, I'm seeing Spurs in um, in a crisis at the moment. And they are. Uh, They're in a big crisis. And I'm putting that on Levy, honestly, not the yeah, managers absolutely. before. No, and it's not on the managers. I, I mean, if you look at Pochettino, he probably. Uh, did more than he could have any other manager could have with that Spurs squad and with the exactly. budget they had a Champions yeah. League final for Spurs was out of it was out of expectations for most of their fans as well yeah. and now they've got Mourinho a great manager in Mourinho but it's known it's known that Mourinho needs his squad his, his players I think 
that's one of the reasons why he had a downfall at United. And if the same goes on at Spurs, he's going to be left a frustrating figure. And Spurs and, are going to end up with is, another empty This is the same issue with United as well. If they don't have yeah. options to like players that Ole needs to make the team, then I can see United out of the top four this year easily, somewhere battling for the sixth or fifth position. Or even the seventh. I think uh, between Spurs, Arsenal, um, United, um, Sheffield. I, I'm not too sure about Sheffield. I think these three clubs will be scrambling for that fourth, fifth, sixth position. Mm-hmm. I mean, Arsenal, out of the three, out of Spurs, United and Arsenal, I think Arsenal are still ahead of the pack. Because can, me, they they've got great... They're much more confident, confident in the way they played against. So yeah, yeah. Considering uh, the results we've had against Chelsea, City, uh, yeah. Liverpool twice against Liverpool, and mm-hmm. the way we played against uh, Fulham, the way the players are more confident to play out passes from the back to recover the ball or beat goal-scoring chances, Arsenal are looking pretty decent. And also their yeah, signings. They They've got great signings. Villian, um, Villian, I think I was very critical of Villian signing a 32-year-old. That was me as well at the time. Yeah, I think he is pretty much uh, adapted to Premier League for so long. He could be like a stalwart at the Premier League. Yeah, this could be a better signing compared to Mkhitaryan. Absolutely. Bro. Uh, Mkhitaryan for Arsenal, I was... I was just disappointed on <laughs> on yeah. Alexis Sanchez leaving. It was like a heartbreak for me. And then Mkhitaryan coming in was like, okay, you got to make do with someone, so fine. But then he was too inconsistent for someone who was feeding off two two 200,000 a week. Yeah. Yep. I think that's we've covered mo- the Premier League games, haven't we? Yep. Just yep. the last bit on the Fantasy Premier League. Any changes that you'll be making to your squad? Yeah, I've got I've got Doherty in. I don't want Spurs players in, in my already? squad. Yeah, no, I had him already when he was a Wolves player, and oh, okay. I didn't make the change. And I don't want an, a Spurs player. I mean, I've done great in FPL without Spurs players. And wait, did you just it. have Doherty? You had him for the first game week, right? I had him. I couldn't substitute him before itself. So, right. so that's he, a Spurs player then. Yeah, I mean, I was. Uh, I'm gonna now that I'm conscious about it. I'm gonna take him out. I'm gonna have Charlie Austin out. Charlie Austin didn't okay. even play. I thought he yeah. was gonna play because he was pretty good at the championship. He was banging in goals, and he didn't yeah. even start. Nor did he even come on. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna remove Charlie Austin. Doherty yeah. goes out. Saka goes out as well because he's not consistent. I mean, he's not playing. Um, yeah. Yeah. What is see. that? Danny Ings is on Tottenham's radar. I mean, he could he could go. I just know for a fact that Danny Ings, even though he had a great season last year, he's he's a great striker. Uh, there's always going to be strikers better than him at the Premier League, and I could make yeah, with them in um, my FPL. That's one of the changes I'll be making. I'm taking Danny Ings out my yeah. fantasy Premier League. Right. And if if given a chance, I'll take Son out as well. Anything mm-hmm. to get Salah into the squad. Honestly, I learned oh, it the man. hard way. 
<laughs> same <laughs> people some people triple captain him oh man oh yeah oh. in the first week wow, itself man. the triple captain salah and they're reaping the rewards rewards uh i just feel like salah is a must have in the team i missed out on him cuz i took kdb in and kdb yeah, i had kevin de bruyne as well i'm not throwing in kevin de bruyne i mean no, i'm not yet? i'm not no? throwing out no i'm not doing it yet i know for a fact that he's going to be he's going to be good this season and i'm going to keep him in my squad i'm going to probably rotate with obamayang mm-hmm. i don't know let's see mm-hmm. but i think that those are my changes yeah fair enough all right that all rounds right. up the premier league chatter yep uh we move on to the next one and this one's pretty exciting as well the us open final which happened yesterday as well if you well. watched the first two sets of the game i'm sure you needed someone to wake you up <laughs> yes 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 we did it um i think it it the momentum of the game it um shifted from the third set what do you think about it pranav for me the first two sets it was um a dominant Zverev he was flowing he was on song with his forehand shots and the serves big serves uh about 138 140s kilometer per hour serves it was very good team was he was standing so back he wasn't even in the sight of the cameras it was almost like he was glued to the walls behind him and early on what i noticed from team was he tried to go for these big shots um even in terms of his forehands when his so what happens is when you start of the game your body's a bit tight you take about a few games to get yourself in the flow uh team unfortunately he somehow missed out on that and it was zverev under control i've always said this before zverev has an issue when it comes to grand slam tennis he yeah. has these sort of meltdown moments or what i what you would call um uh okay you can't Shocking call it a brain shit moment but you know automatically when his body language is down when his energy is down that's when you know okay you know this is going to fall i've always liked where i don't get me wrong um from 2018 from 2017 in fact even when he won the atp finals we said okay you know what now it's time to take this to the grand slams he never translated that atp finals victory into grand slam titles and this was just one of the case hardly any double faults in the first set and just everything was so good about him when he played uh, in the semi finals against pablo carreño busta his first two sets were horrible to watch yeah and he somehow picked it up and he made it to the finals for me that was a surprise uh the fact that dominic theme versus medvedev happened in the semifinals i i tipped both for them both of them to be in the finals but yeah it, that wasn't meant to be even then i hoped medvedev would reach the finals that somehow for me was uh i think a shock for me especially i wanted medvedev to redeem himself after last year but again when dominic yeah. came match that was an amazing match and this one it was filled with like double faults errors yeah uh, that about explains the match for me in terms of stats of course you'll see the stats and you'll see zverev's double faults 
much higher than team with a, with about 15 double faults 15 to 8 yeah but at the same time he's got more aces than team which explains yes. his amazing serves yeah his winners as well he's gone his unforced errors i mean you just take a look at all that end of the day nail biting finish i think the th- the fourth set um is where team came alive kept himself in the game in the last set i think the last set is the one worth watching um if if you ever oh, absolutely if you ever make the highlights for this game you just put the last set in and that's enough because first two sets absolutely boring it was on course to be one of the most boring grand slam finals but i think it made up at some point yeah it did i think team did amazing to you know show his um uh, determ- determination to get a comeback from being yeah. two sets down um and i think it's it, it actually is one of those meltdown moments for zverev uh this was i think they had met earlier this year in the australian open in the semi in the semi finals yeah mm-hmm. and uh team won it as well yes i think yeah uh this there's quite a few things that you could point out in zverev's game uh, as good as he is as athletic he is um i think the momentum shifted from the third set uh and i think he also had a, um, he also had a tie cramps yeah, i think tie tie strain or was it a cramp where you could see uh zverev you know mm-hmm. taking out for for a moment yeah but i think overall it was uh it was made for by the last two three sets uh the tiebreaker i think it's the first time a player in 70 years has come back from two sets down and like uh win a five set match at the US Open that's quite a statistic we're getting from the US Open final from Dominic Thiem yeah and even if you look at the grand slam finals uh stats in the open in the men's open era tennis so dominic thiem would fall um like he would be the fifth player to come back from two sets down and to take the title he's just the just fifth player it. so these have happened yeah these have happened in 1974 84 99 and 2004 all in the french open and this time it was the us open 2020 talk about difference yeah so that's definitely making history there absolutely for zverev you know, uh, you know a grand slam title will come but just not yet this was his best shot i'd say You know, it all started with um, Djokovic's uh, stupid sort of shot, I'd say. Rules are rules. And he got what was coming to him. Yeah. But yeah, it just shook things up from there. Yeah, I think uh, this was the best chance for anyone apart from the... Uh, apart from Nadal, who didn't participate in this competition. Yeah. And, and Djokovic out with that. Uh, it was honestly a hilarious... thing yeah uh, hilarious news because i didn't watch that, watch that match but i saw the news in the morning and, and i saw the video clip and i was like what was that <laughs> i've seen i've seen harder shots taken at uh, uh, that hit, that's, that's hit um these people what do you call them on the pitch uh the linesmen line linesmen and women linesmen and linesmen yeah i've, I've seen Line like uh whatever whatever suits yeah you. yeah i've seen a harder one hit being hit on someone's head and then nadal goes to them and just huh that's not intentional though 
I mean, this was also unintentional, of course, but he wasn't even looking at the at that American lady. Yeah, he wasn't. But at the same time, if you hit them, so the the rules are such that you don't hit um, cameramen, ball boys, and girls, and the umpires, and the chair, yeah. w- w- anyone, basically any official. You don't when you hit them, you get a default. Or you wow. get a warning, whatever the rule applies at the moment. The rules are applied by the officials in the match. Um, in Djokovic's case, this was the right call. This was the right call. Yeah, rules are rules. Yeah, rules are rules and it won't be fair. And even Djokovic even pleading that you basically he was trying to say, are you going to take away my Grand Slam dream? Are you going to take away my match? Because of this, come on, Djokovic, you're a... You're a Grand Slam champion. You're world number one. You should know better than this. I mean, it's you should know better than to argue with these points at least. Yeah, I and mean those, that was pathetic. There was they were picked up on the mic, so it doesn't really make a good viewing. If you end of the day, if you want to talk about a champion like Djokovic, it, it doesn't make it for a good watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the U.S. Open was. It was very different. It's the first uh, Grand Slam event we were having. It was a weird Yeah. I don't think it should have gone ahead in the first place anyway because there were a lot of uh, issues that the uh, players were facing uh, at their camps, these bio-bubbles that that were set up, uh, you know. But then again, they held it. We We have a champion. But I think that sets up the... I don't think that this exactly will be the next few Grand Slam or Grand Slam tournaments that will come up. It won't be like this. I honestly hope we have better quality, better players at the next coming um, tennis tournaments. I think. Uh, what do you mean in terms of the generation that we're seeing, or uh... in terms of the way the players were handled in the in terms of the way the, oh, tournament, the tournament was conducted? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I I did not like. I I mean you. you if anyone was reading the news, they could know about the constant issues players were facing at these no, camps. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, Djokovic himself, he said there's a complete lack of communication. Exactly. players and organizers. And even in the bio-bubble, as you said. The bio-bubble, speaking of the bio-bubble, I think we ought to discuss about cricket bio bubble at the IPL bio bubble. Let's, let's get on to the IPL. Our IPL starting on 19th, yeah. uh, which is in five days. Yeah. Everyone's stoked for it, but there's a whole different scenario that's uh, going on in these training camps in the UA, mm-hmm. the, the bio bubble. Um, you we know that uh, CSK had around 13 of their staff members and two of their players being tested positive mm-hmm. um, when they when, when they made the trip to UA. Mm-hmm. And uh, Suresh Raina has gone back. There has there's been one more person who has left the camp, isn't it? Uh, Harbhajan Singh from Harbhajan Singh. Chennai yes, Super yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Harbhajan Singh, and uh, I think. You know, we have seen these bio bubbles and these camps being set up for different sports like the Premier League, uh, not the Premier League, sorry, the Champions League that was held in Lisbon, which was conducted pretty much smoothly. Mm-hmm. We had it also for the uh, US Open, but the case is altogether different for the IPL because we're seeing a lot of complaints and a lot of 
uh, staff members and players testing positive hmm. because some are saying that these training camps are set very differently. Hmm. They're traveling daily from their hotels to their training camps uh, to the state. I think, um, yeah, to the, to the training grounds, yeah. which is very different to how the other uh, bio bubbles were set up. What's your take on that? To be very honest, the bio bubbles, um, even though positive cases are occurring in the in the camps or whatever you say, to me it just shows that the bubble has actually worked. It shows that the system in place is actually working. So you have a one month quarantine buffer period, okay, and continuous testing protocols. And it was made to handle situations like these. Um, CSK, of course, they uh, the teams gathered in, in India uh, earlier than uh, the other franchises. They came uh, to the country at the same time as the Royal Challengers Bangalore. I mean, it's working and it's very strict. If you notice, like even the media haven't been close to any, um, what do you say, any of the players or the teams, uh, physically at least. Uh, if you look at the way the advertisements are being shot, everyone, all the camera crew are in their PPE kits. Um, and yeah, there's there's not much information for the media as well uh, with regards to accreditation and stuff. But yeah, even the schedule for that matter was so tight. Like we, we just got it by, say, um, Sunday. I think we got it last Sunday. So we got it last Sunday. That's right. Yeah. yeah it's it's uh, i'll say that the environment here is very tight and it's working it's definitely working um uh, i mean that's contradictory to what some of the people who have been in the bio bubble will say particularly suresh raina i mean when the bio bubble is not safe how does one take a chance was he that was quoted in reasons as well because um i think uh, there was some tra- tragic event happened uh, with his well, relatives and family members. Which are not virus proof to just say like... There's nothing that's virus proof. There's yeah. actually nothing that's virus proof. Uh, because no matter what you do out of a bio bubble, uh, this thing's airborne. And if someone's coming in, maybe your cleaner, maybe your, your staff member, maybe even your driver, okay, mm. you're... you're you're potentially at risk. So there's nothing that's 100%, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Risk, there's no, there's always a risk attached with this. Here, but here's the how question. Strict, here's, here's how strict the bio bubble here is, especially in IPL. Like a player cannot enter his own teammate's room. So that that's how strict it is in... But don't you think, don't you think uh, that's strict, that what you just talked about has come after a lot of people testing positive. This was not the case prior. Okay. This has been like an amended, this has been an amended uh, rule. They had, they had issues traveling from a different place um, Mm -hmm. where their hotels were to an altogether different place where their camps, uh, training grounds were set up. Mm -hmm. And after the few cases that were discovered, which in comparison to other sports by bubbles, be it the NBA, the, tennis uh, association or the football association yeah. has seen much more cases in cricket. It's the reason yeah. why we're doing like a comparison as to why, why it's happening in the IPL. So, and I haven't come across many other um, sports person apart from tennis say be in support of, no, no, sorry, 
uh, tennis and cricket, like these are uh, at least from these two sports, have voiced their concern on how the bio bubbles haven't been the, all that safe. And I when mean, um, just when, just a minute, uh, when when they were actually um, put together, like these amended rules came in, how mm-hmm. this affected the players uh, mentally, lack of communication with their own coaches. Mm. There were some very um, stern rules. So, yeah. Yeah. So, when these bio-bubbles were created, so each franchise, is le- it's left to themselves how the owners enforce the rules on these bio-bubbles. The King's Eleven Punjab um, owner, uh, co-owner, uh, sorry, his name is Ness Vadia. So, he w- was more vocal about having strict um, bio-bubble norms because the CSK incidents, they taught, they taught us, of course, that things need to be more strict. And with the, uh, what's different about, like you mentioned, like in the UAE, so you leave the hotel, you have to go to the grounds, um, which are quite far from the place as well. Some of the guys are in Dubai, um, some are in Abu Dhabi. Um, so yeah, they're different. The camps are spread across, right? Yeah. And what happens, so... There's a really tough call to make. You have to assemble by the ground for your COVID tests, which now have been increased, but I'm sure like it's it can't really be as strict as it like it's expected. Fair enough, yeah. I think like um, the CSK team, if you remember, they when they assembled in India, like before departure, they did not quarantine themselves. They opted to hold training camps which is what I said in the beginning. So every other team, when they gathered, was only for the time for departure with their PPE kits and everything just to enter the bio bubble. This was different in the case of CSK. They assembled and they held training camps instead. So yeah. I think it comes which down to is, management error as well here, what I'm looking at. Speaking of management error, uh, I think CSK is... Uh, uh, I mean, they overlooked this thing where they actually shouldn't have held a training camp before yes. uh, coming to the UAE. You would have uh, put but, the whole uh, tournament on, in jeopardy. Uh, it's uh, no. Uh, I mean, they they actually have, but then again, then again comes standardization. If every team, uh, every team owner, can decide on what intensity they want the bio bubble to be set up, like what are the rules and everything, there's going to be no standardization. And let me tell you, if there isn't, uh, the board isn't setting a standardization for your setups of the bio bubbles or the protocols that have to be followed, everyone's going to be making their own setups. Everyone's going to have their set of rules. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's just going to create more fuss, which is exactly what has happened with the IPL teams in the UAE. You each, did mention that each team has its own sort of take on the bio bubble, don't they? They do, yeah. Which I I personally feel is, uh, I think, from the cricket association, it's uh, it's it's too lenient. You can't do that if you're actually having uh, the biggest franchisee uh, cricket league being held in your country, or even the BCCI for that matter, because. Providing, not providing an SOP for your bio bubbles is a lack of, um, what do you call it? They haven't taken that much responsibility Mm -hmm. uh, about Mm -hmm. holding this. I think it's come, it's come at a, 
Fuck, I'm, a f- a f- I'm forgetting this term. What's this term? What's the word you're looking for? Um, I mean, BCCI has been careless. Just putting it out, out there. They've been careless. Uh, well, they left it to the UAE Cricket Board here. And they left it to the franchise. Even, even the UAE Cricket Board has been. The franchise shouldn't have been given this much authority because we're seeing so many issues and so many opinions, divided opinions of athletes leaving the camps and everything. Because the power has been given to the hands of franchisees and not to the cricket boards, the SOP should come from a board, not from the franchisee. Yeah, if yeah. that was meant to be, yeah. So, which is basically, let's see, but five days to go. Uh, I'm pretty sure, regardless of all of that has happened up till now, mm, this season's IPL will be different. exciting. Different, man. different and exciting, yes. I think. I'd say the excitement factor is way less than previous seasons. I'm not too excited for this IPL um, in a way to say we're going to miss the fans and we're going to miss the atmosphere. An atmosphere that would have been created in India is nowhere near anywhere in the world close to the atmosphere that could have been created even if fans attended in the UAE. Oh, that's, that's true. I love the ground in Sharjah. An atmosphere in Sharjah is an atmosphere of its own, you know, because of the history it has. But yeah. more fans with that as well. Yeah. Everyone's going to miss the fans, be it whatever yeah, but sports, but, safe, but I think though. especially... It's safe, but at the same time, let's see what sort of entertainment can be provided. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go, for, let's go for another round of predictions. Mm-hmm. Who do you think would win the IPL 2020? Kings Eleven. Kings Eleven, yeah. Okay. That's According to Shikhar Dhawan, it's Delhi Capitals. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! They have they have a great coach with them. They have some really good young players. Shreyasai, Rishabh Khan. These are the guys I want to see them take charge and just you know just go all out with the team. Shreyasai is a smart player. Rishabh Khan, uh, he's expl- he's an explosive batsman. We all know that. Yeah. He's a great talent, and um, as much as I want to see, you know, the best teams, like the best of the best, Mumbai Indians and CSK perform really well. I want to see fresh faces in the um, top four and a completely mm-hmm. different team win the IPL trophy. I don't, I, mind, think- I don't mind RCB winning the title because, as I always say, Isala Cup Nam Day. But... <laughs> Ah, I I just don't want to say anything too soon for RCB, to be honest. But I'll always support them. I'll always support them. Right, right. I think um, if I had to predict who would win the IPL this year, probably Kings Eleven as well. Uh, they've got a great chance this year. But I th- isn't it, it like every year that the um, RCB fans are just so optimistic considering seeing their squad yeah, how well they are how exactly the RC, RCB squad is has been amazing this season is On I mean no exception fantastic exactly what do you think of when it comes to the RC I think there's I'll, a lot of this. hype about the I'll, I'll say this you have to look out for the players coming from the Caribbean we just had the from, we just had the finals of the Caribbean Premier League, and mm-hmm. if anyone's been following that, then you'll know 
the quality that especially the West Indies cricketers are going to bring, especially Karen Pollard and Andre Russell. Keep an eye out for them. These guys are going to do very well in the IPL. There's no rust, like there's no rusty cricket that's going to be played from them for sure. You know what? In fact, send Andre Russell, uh, number three, number four batsman. He quite possibly could get a century. Who knows? Andre Russell, of course. Yeah, of course. We, we we saw him last season in the yeah. uh, in the IPL. Yeah, I don't mind Explosive. him playing higher up the order than he usually does. Actually, actually, I mean, get the high scores in. Do not yeah. wait for the uh, contingency plans. Get Andre Russell higher up the batting order yeah. and set up a higher target. Yeah. I'll go for the top four who'll finish top four in the IPL. Yeah, go for top five. I didn't hear your top four. Go on. Okay. Going for another prediction, um, who will finish the top four in the in the IPL this year? Wow. Uh, yeah, Kings eleven. Mm-hmm. Kings eleven. Yeah. Um Mumbai Indians. Right. CSK and RCB. I want to see RCB this year, yeah. Okay. Uh, that's an interesting pick. That's an, you've kept Sunrisers out. I see this. I have. That's a okay. hard one. I was actually thinking Sunrisers or CSK. I'm not too confident about CSK, but I support CSK, so. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. You might just want to be careful about that. Now that you've moved to Bangalore, you might want to rethink <laughs> You might want to rethink supporting CSK, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just worried about Sunrise's middle order um, at the moment. Uh, they've got a great spinner in them, Rashid Khan. Uh, he's one of my favorite spinners. Uh, best in the best in sports right now. Um, best in cricket. Rather. They've got two great opening batsmen. Besto and Warner. These are a great, great uh, batting pair to watch. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of explosive batting to watch out for. Agreed, agreed with that. Do you know what? I think we started about an hour ago and left to us, we talk all day about sports. We absolutely talk all day about sports. We've got the Formula One race coming up in two weeks in Russia. The US Open is done and dusted, but we'll have the French Open coming up soon. And in five days' time, we have the IPL. And as usual, we have the Premier League ongoing. So we are locked for another calendar of sports. So a lot more to talk about then. 